What's up, Biker Bar? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Today, we are on our 38th episode of the Biker Bar podcast live stream. And uh, good God, you think I'd have this shit down by now, but I don't. Um, <laughs> anyways, so uh, first thing I want to let everybody know, thank you guys for all tuning in. I really appreciate it. Every Sunday, 5 p.m. PST, um, if you haven't already, hit the the subscribe button or if you're you're already ready to like be poised and smash the thumbs up button do that that would be great i appreciate everybody that throws out some super chats along the way i can't always call them out while we're chatting but um if you do i appreciate it, it really helps support the channel um speaking of supporting the channel if you haven't uh liked my facebook or my instagram at at this point, go to at biker B one and do that because it helps me. And it also helps me engage with you guys. Those of you guys that aren't on my Patreon, I can send out stuff and you guys kind of know what's going on. If I'm um, just so happen to be traveling to your area or going to do a little ride or something like that, I, I'll post it out there as well as on Patreon. But normally it goes to Patreon first. And if I feel like I got enough engagement from that, that's where, that's where it's going to stick at. So with speaking of that, if you guys haven't um, joined into my Patreon yet, um, trying to get to 250 people right now, I think I'm like halfway there. And I really feel like at 250 Patreons or patrons or whatever you want to call them at that point, I'll be able to start traveling a little more and, and doing, doing a little bit of the, the stuff that I'd like to do outside of my area. So I've been having a lot of people lately say, where is the POV? And yeah, I've been taking a break from that, but it's coming soon. That's all I can tell you guys is, is it's, it's on the horizon. So um, please support the channel any way you can, whether it's watching the video, hitting the thumbs up, hitting the subscribe button, or going to my, my social media accounts, or last but not least, if you have some extra change, you want to help support my beer habit, that would be great. <laughs> Go to Patreon. So today we have a, a little different show than, than some of the other ones in the past. I guess every one of them is different. So I don't know why the fuck I just said that. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm stuttering for words right now. <laughs> Anyways, so every one of us, I think, always thinks about, or most of us have had a thought at one point or another. It's like, how can I work in the bike industry? <laughs> In some cases, working in the pike industry is, you know, going out and being a pro rider. Sometimes it's maybe being a YouTuber. But another way that you could work in the bike industry is by having your own shop. And I think I've talked to a lot of guys that have been like, man, that would be fun to have my own shop. So today we have Mike from The Lost Co. And he uh, he he's a dude that, that decided to do that, open up his own shop. But he started out in a unique way. Mike, I'll let you introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Uh, hey everybody, what's up? I'm Mike from Lost Co in uh, Bellingham, Washington. We're pretty close to Canada on the upper left uh, part of the United States of America. So um, yeah, got great trails here. I moved here about four years ago. I'm from the Midwest originally and I've been in the bike industry for a super long time. About, I think I'm on like 12, year 13. I lost track, but it's pretty much, I've always used to, I always used to joke about it being my career. Um, but uh, then yeah, kind of turned into it when uh, I just realized that I really like doing it and I just didn't want to stop. So I just uh, eventually opened up my own shop, which seems to be a lot of mechanic streams and things like that. So um, I've now had this shop going for, uh, I think we're on our third year of business and things are going great. Just hired first two employees and things like that. So um, that's what's going on. I'm happy that I'm here in time because I know that Robert was running late, but I was out scouting trail with a friend 
in the afternoon this morning I was riding bikes. So I, I just got the camera set up. So I'm, I'm happy that I uh, got everything set up in time. So, I'll tell you what, man, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is episode <laughs> 38 and I, I can tell you almost every one of them has come down to like the last second of shit falling yeah. together. Like one time somebody's like off on a ride somewhere and got stuck or ran out of light. and it, it, It's always something. So yeah. I've come personally to like, accept that's just the way it goes. But, uh, you know, one one of these days, this shit will be dialed, right? And I'll be flying people yeah. out, and we'll we'll be like having the day before to hang out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever we do the live streams, I we have like two cameras for scenes, and like, and uh, there's a lot of wires to plug in. You know, I always think it's gonna take like five minutes, but it ends up taking like it it takes like forty five minutes to an hour to make everything work right. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I have this setup in, out here in, in the in the biker bar here that's just kind of permanent. Yeah. And I, I just don't mess with it. That's for the good. Most part. That's good. Keep doing that. Don't mess but with it. <laughs> I, I, I do do a lot of drunken live streams. So somehow or another, I screw something up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, anyways, so you started out. Um, were, were you always kind of a guy that just like wrenched on bikes, or how, how'd that come about? Um, yeah, I, I, I just rode bikes since I was like five, four, so I was three, like, what, whatever. Ten years ago now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 28. Everyone always thinks I'm like 17 or something, but. Uh, I just, uh, I have a young, a young face or something, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I've just been riding, um, for, for a long time. And then my parents never took bikes really seriously. I played hockey and stuff growing up. So they were more into like team sports. Uh, and then they always just got me like whatever bike was at like Walmart. Uh, so I just remember my brakes would never work. And so I went to the bike shop, the local bike shop down the street from me and got my brakes adjusted. And I was like, God damn it. I can I get everything else on my bike working except I can't adjust these damn brakes. Those so, are like the old pull brakes. They were just like V brakes, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So Those they, were a pain in the ass. They didn't work no matter what. So, but right. anyway, they made them feel better. So I was like, I'm gonna get a job at the bike shop to see how the hell they do this because it's like witchcraft to me, you know. So, right. um, so yeah, <laughs> when I turned 16, they hired me, and then uh, no looking back. Really, I tried to get out of it a couple times to try to make more money doing other things, but. All in all, I was like, everyone I worked with was always super nice. I got to just stare at bikes. I got deals on bike stuff. And uh, I just talked about bikes all day. So it's like, I tried to do some of the things. I like worked at a warehouse uh, before. I did like insurance for a little bit. Um, I also been into cars. So I tried to get into like automotive stuff. And it was just everything else was a pain in the ass. Like I just have a lot of fun doing bikes. So I just... Uh, I just wanted to keep doing it for as long as I can. So I'll tell you what, in my life, I've always just chased whatever I'm most passionate about. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was really young, it was music. So I was like, did, you know, play guitar and sang and had little bands and stuff like that. And then it was later, it was like, okay, well, how can I like ensure I'm going to be in the music industry instead of just like trying to get famous? Yeah. So then I like went to school for studio recording and kind of got to a point with that whenever I just decided I wanted to change gears and somehow I ended up into IT and computer stuff, like completely by accident, I think. Yeah. But I was passionate about it. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. And then somewhere along the line, you know, bikes have already always been a passion. I never really contemplated it being like a financial part of my life until um, a few years back, whenever I first started biker.com, which was, a whole different idea than what the YouTube channel came out to be. But mm -hmm. it, it's in, I, I feel like if you just chase what you're passionate about, you'll always be successful. 
because you can't have like that much passion about something and and not like be successful yeah you know I, to a certain extent i think you have to be like you know at least um honest with yourself yeah. like you can't be like i'm gonna be an opera singer but fucking can't hold a tune uh, yeah a note yeah. you know but like I, I feel like if you have a lot of passion about things you know that that you can put a lot of work into it and it, it can play out yeah so i think it starts with defining success for yourself because a lot of people think success point, is man. like a ton of money and like uh, a porsche but uh <laughs> but it's so not true like i don't know i live in my van in the parking lot and uh i mean i i mean i'm as successful as i want to be like if i if i want to just you know let the shop run on itself uh, or kind of be like autopilot i can and i'll pay the bills but if i want to you know make more money to do something else i just work harder so um, that's my success is just being able to like kind of do what I want. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Like today I was talking about how badly I want to go to Whistler and I was out scouting trail with, uh, one of the mechanics here at the shop. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's really busy work. And he's like, Mike, you have employees. Just tell me to work and you can go to Whistler. And I was like, oh, I'm going to feel so bad, but you're true. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I like about everything. Yeah, and there's ways on. to like, think about it to like make it you know, like how does this Whistler trip make it better for my business or something like yeah, that? Yeah. And sometimes there's like an actual marketing side of it where like maybe um, you're, you know, gonna go up there and hand out a bunch of stickers or something like that. I want to network. I want to go to Whistler just right. Right, so, right. Yeah, you know, but, but I know I'm gonna hand, end up doing that. I'm gonna end up doing that, yeah. And, and so. on the other hand though, like what I was getting at though too, is like sometimes the beneficial part is that you go out there and you, you let your hair down and you freaking have a good time and you yeah. let work go for a little bit. Yep, yep, you know? yep, decompress. So when you started your shop, it wasn't in a store. Yeah, correct. It was tell a mobile about, bike shop. Tell me about that. How, how did how did that, how did you come to starting that, you know? Cause I think, you know, it was a few years ago, right? Yeah, it's like three years ago, 2016. So um, yeah, like uh, I was just, working at the shop here in Bellingham when I moved out here. And I've always wanted to open a shop. I just like knew I was going to at some point, but I never really knew when to do it. And um, I was always trying to like save money and like wait until I had a bunch of money. But it's like, I was eventually it just, it just so happened that I just kind of went for it or whatever. Um, I bought an old U-Haul truck off of Craigslist for uh, 1200 bucks. Um, and then I put like 10 grand into it and built it into a mobile bike shop. Um, and it was like covered in cedar on the outside and all pine on the inside. So it looked like a little cabin. It was technically like if you parked it on a little foundation, put skirts over the wheels, it would be like a brick and mortar, small, really small store. So that was the goal of that. Um, and then we did that for a year and a half. And then um, last year, just a little over a year ago, we got the brick and mortar store, um, stopped doing mobile. So. So, I mean, what was it that in, like made you think like, instead of just opening up a shop, like let's try this thing with the truck? Um, overhead, I just didn't want to, um, I wasn't in a situation where I could sign a lease. I basically just like spent all my money um, on, I, I was gonna have to spend all my money on starting something up. So at least I, I spent less money uh, getting the truck going and that way um, I could do more. It was more like labor oriented, but lately we've been, implementing more of the retail side into things and i just didn't have the money to do that so i figured i would start small see how it goes build get a, like a small following here in town um and that all kind of happened and then i got it just it was just like pretty overwhelming with work and we didn't have enough space in the truck and so we found this shop at a really good price here in town and 
uh, in a good spot and we just kind of pull the trigger on it. So. So I would imagine the truck itself was probably pretty good marketing because it, it sounded like you had it decked out pretty cool. How did you go about like spreading the word that, hey, I, I got this mobile shop. You just put a, like an ad on Craigslist yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, uh, it's funny. We did put an ad on Craigslist. I think that's the one of the only things that we never got anything out of. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, that's uh, funny. But, uh, <laughs> no, so we we the cool thing about the truck is that you can take it anywhere. So we basically... Um, I'm sure you've heard of Galbraith, uh, but we went to, um, there's, there's a small privately owned parking lot called the dollar lot. Um, and we got to know the owners of that parking lot and we basically told them what we were trying to do. And they're, they're a little older folks and they thought it was super cool. And they were just like, yeah, you can, you can park your truck here. Um, and so everyone that parked in that lot automatically started coming to us. Cause if you needed something done, you just go there, uh, uh, go to me. If you need like your derailleur adjusted, your brake pads swapped out while you're at the trailhead changing into your riding clothes instead of dropping your bike off somewhere for a week. And so um, I just worked really hard to get things done quickly and uh, people were super stoked on it. And then pretty much everyone that was our good customer there like came and followed us here. Also, we had a sign out by the main road that you pedal past from the main parking lot and people would just be like, oh, bike shop. So they would just come down and say hi. and. Um, yeah, just so kind of got to know everybody. What is Galbraith for people that, that aren't familiar? Um, Galbraith is the main, like the hub of mountain biking trails here in Bellingham, Washington. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool because it's right in the middle of town. So everything in Bellingham is basically 10 minutes away from each other, no matter what, like, um, so it's like every single person, 10 minutes drive can go to, uh, the mountain bike trailhead and go for a ride. And it's, it's pretty sweet. Like all the trails are really developed because it's so close to town that people, like the dig days here are huge. Like every time there's a dig day, I've, I've seen like dig days in like this, at the Seattle um, riding areas in like Issaquah where um, it's kind of in, it's kind of, a, it's like an hour and a half from Seattle. There'll maybe like three to 10 people, but like every dig day I've, on Galbraith, there's like 25 to like 40 people. It's crazy. There's like too many people to manage. So Oh, wow. um, that's yeah. really good though so, you guys have a great community it's great there. yeah so it's uh there's there's just it's a it's a small technically a pretty small area but the, there's tons and tons of trails you can go for like a 30 minute ride and be very satisfied or you can go out there all day and ride for like six hours so it's pretty uh -huh. cool so yeah. what was it that got you into bellingham where how did you end up there um i was uh i grew up in illinois riding bmx bikes and so eventually i was just like this sucks um, cause we kept getting like our bikes taken away from the police and like doing outdoorsy stuff in the Midwest is, wasn't, isn't something that people care about. So it's like, um, riding a bike became a crime. And so I was like, okay, I need to move. I went on vacation to Colorado and rode trestle. I was like the first time on a full suspension bike. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. And then <laughs> I was like, what am I doing with my life? And then I get, I, get yourself together. Yeah, I was like, Mike, you suck. You think you're cool, but you're not. And then. So, uh, yeah, so I, I came back home and I ended up dropping all my classes in school um, and uh, sold all my stuff. And um, I, I basically was looking for a place to live and I was thinking Colorado, but I, I everyone moves there from Illinois. So I was like, you know, I was, uh, I was looking elsewhere. And then my friend that I met a couple times and rode BMX bikes with um, moved to Bellingham to go to school. And he kept putting up pictures about Bellingham. And I was like, well, this place seems super cool. Like I've never heard of it or whatever. And I started watching videos and seeing all the cool writing and all that stuff. And then I was just like, that's the place. Like it's right by Whistler. Um, it's as close as you can get to Whistler um, in the US. So I was like, 
pull the trigger and move. So, yeah. How far is it to Whistler from where you're at? Um, it depends on the border weight. So if you go on like a Saturday or Sunday morning and you're, you know, in line with everyone that's going to Ikea, then it'll probably take you like three hours. But if you, if you go at night and make good time, it's like two hours and 30 minutes or so, two hours, 25 minutes or so. Do, do people go over the border because like the exchange rate or something? Um, well, a lot more Canadians come over here because food and gas is super cheap. Like a gallon of gas in Canada is like $8 right now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then also... Trader Joe's, um, Canada or Canadians love Trader Joe's and Trader Joe's like I'm talking is one block away from the shop. So we have a ton of customers that will come here and they'll just be like, I'll be like, can I help you? And they're like, oh, we're just browsing, looking around. I'll be like, oh, what are you guys doing today? And they're like, oh, we came down from, oh, we came down from, uh, from Vancouver. We're just going to Trader Joe's. So <laughs> <laughs> they love Trader Joe's. So, uh, yeah. That's awesome. So. Bellingham kind of like sprung up out of nowhere because I never really heard of it until till and because I'm I'm not I'm one of those guys that's like always just focused on whatever's going on in my own life. Mm -hmm. But I start once I kind of got into YouTube and and actually it was you know Josh from Daily MTV Rider that started posting up there. I'm like man they got quite the network up there. But apparently that's been that way for a while, huh? Yeah, uh, it's like I a little hidden gem, right? Uh, it so it, it definitely used to be because I never heard of it either. Um, but it's just like, it's more subtle. Uh, Bellingham is, uh, its nickname is, um, geez, I'm blanking. It's been a long day. Uh, um, no worries. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's all, it's more like subtle excitement. So people don't like, people are just like, I live here and I li really like it. There's no like, Hey, look at me. I live here. Right, like, right, check yeah. it out. My Instagram, I'm on the California beach, man. So like, it's not like that. Everyone's just like, yep. Yeah, went for a bike ride and then went home. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. 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 So, so pretty much is how, how big is this town? Uh, there's 85,000 people or so. So, fair um, size. Yeah. yeah. So, but give it some time. Everybody is moving here from California. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so. what will happen is you guys, well, all, all the Californians will move up there and then all the prices and shit will go up there. And then everybody will be like, what the hell? Oh, you know, it's already, <laughs> I mean, I, that's why I live in a van, man. So it's really expensive to, to rent or own a place. So, yeah. So when <laughs> you first, when you first came out to, to Bellingham, did you have a place to stay or you just freaking like got in your car and fucking split and you're like, how um, I get there? I just hit that kid up and I was like, Hey, I'm going to move to Bellingham. Can I like sleep on your couch for a week or two while I, before I get a job in place? And he's like, fuck yeah, dude. So um, <laughs> I, did, I did that and uh, yeah, slept on his couch and um, got a job and, uh, and got a place and met a bunch of good friends and just started riding a lot and met more people. And yeah, it's great. So when you bought the, the $10,000 U-Haul, um, did you, were you living in that or was that just the shop? No, I never lived in that. Um, that was just the shop. I had a, I rented a place. Um, you, were, you were legit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so at yeah. some point you decided I'm done with this fucking truck and I'm done with this this uh this apartment and you're gonna get a van to live in was uh, yeah how, um, how, did, how did that play out i i started living in a van um a couple of years ago i have a sprinter van right now but i used to live in like a ford econoline that um, i did like a really quick build on uh my rent was just super expensive and then my lease was coming up or like the end of my lease was coming up and i was just like man, I'm never here. I'm actually literally never at my house. I'm just like always out riding or something. And I was like, okay, I can save money. I can travel more and I can just have more time, like not doing dishes at home and like vacuuming the carpet. Like I can just spend more time outside. 
So um, I was like, it's it's kind of a it's a win win if I just um, if I just do the van thing. So I didn't even know what van like hashtag van life was. My friend one time was just like, haha, you're gonna live in a van? Nice hashtag van life. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, van life. And then I looked up on Instagram. I was like, oh, this is like a thing that people do. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> oh shit. So uh, yeah, so uh, but yeah, then um, I, I started the mobile bike shop and. Uh, I rented a place over winter one year. I was just like, it was super cheap. It was like 400 bucks a month or whatever. So I rented a place and then I had a place to park the truck. Um, and so I ended up building the truck there and all that stuff. So. Yeah. So um, you, you, what what was that? What So you you got the Econovan originally? So I lived in the Econoline and uh -huh. then I rented a place for my friend, this little like cabin in the woods by the, by the mountain biking trails. Oh, um, I get it. Okay. Yeah, and then and then I ended up selling the van um, and just getting like a small car because I wanted to build a bigger van. But then the mobile bike shop thing, I just like ended up doing that, putting my money into that instead. So. Uh -huh. So um, you're in business not by yourself. You have a partner, right? Um, I do. I so technically I still do. She's actually um, going to be leaving the business to work on her own business. So. Um, so it is just going to be me from now on. So I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, so, so is the, she like, like, uh, your girlfriend or is it just a friend? No, me and Callie, um, are just business partners. So we actually worked at the shop together that we used like that I used to work at before we did the mobile bike shop. And oh, she okay, was basically cool. the one that like in that, um, that basically like pushed me to, to start the shop. Cause she really liked the idea of the mobile bike shop. So, um, yeah, so we just like, always worked really well together. And then we opened up the shop and like built that together and stuff like that. And then we've been running it together for like three years and um, she did her part and stuff, but then she's got another business herself that she's been working on for like a year and a half now. And she's got to the point where she really wants to focus on that. Um, and that's another like outdoor um, focused business too. So I saw all of her dress and stuff it looks really sweet. So um, I, I yeah. thought you guys were going into the rock video business because I, oh, I, yeah. saw, I saw the last edit <laughs> that, that you did with the, uh, with, with the daily mountain bike rider. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen that, do you remember what the name of that episode was? Uh, it was like, it was a clickbait title. Like what, what really happened when you drop your bike off at a bike shop? Something oh like yeah. That. And yeah. the thumbnails, like you guys with like a blowtorch and yeah. stuff like that. Yep, yep. <laughs> Those of you guys that are watching right now, throw that up into the comments. So, so anybody can see it down the road. It's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, and aside from the, the humor part of it, you went through a lot of like how to do this and how to do that. Is that something that you enjoy doing yourself? Like, like to like kind of teaching people? Um, yeah, it's, it's cool because the thing that we found with like the YouTube, um, the whole YouTube thing is that we can reach people and like, you can, I mean, you can do whatever you want. Like you can, you can teach people, you can sell people on stuff. You can just share your experiences with them. Um, and, uh, and all that stuff. So we, what we've like to figure it out to do is it's been working really well for us is kind of do a combination of all those. So we've got some vlog stuff, some mechanic stuff some like you know retail stuff where we explain products um but yeah the, the mechanic thing is cool because um there's the whole saying like the internet can't fix your bike and it's like uh i mean it might be able to fix your bike or at least we can try to help you i mean i don't i don't think that every single person everywhere is going to be able to figure everything out but um the cool thing is that if you put the video out we basically put links to all the products so not only can we um you know we can um 
we can at least help the person get all the tools if they want to do it themselves. But if they don't want to do it, then they can actually send their suspension to us for us to service it or something like that. So, um, yeah. so there's all so sorts you, of ways. Yeah. So if you guys haven't caught on yet, he has also a YouTube channel. Somewhere along the line, he was like, man, I'm wrenching on bikes. This is taking up all my time. I need something to burn up more time. <laughs> and he decided, you so say you decided to start doing a YouTube channel. What was it that made you like, what did you just feel like that was like gonna be good marketing for the shop or it was just like something that another little passion? Um, so yeah, I've, uh, me and my partner always really wanted to get into doing online stuff because um, I, I just think that, and we've always thought that the internet's a pretty crazy thing. Like if you, you could pretty much, I think everyone should take full advantage of the internet for doing something to benefit themselves. So, um, I mean, if the, you know, we, you need some reason for people to go to your website. So if people go to our website from something I want to, I want it to be from people liking us and thinking that we're like fun or cool or like whatever, they just enjoy us instead of just trying to find the cheapest price online. So we, yeah, wanted, yeah. we we figured let's, you know, put our full personality out there, do things to help people um, and, and the business will come. So it's not only like just kind of a, you know, it's, it's not just a hobby, it's part of the business, but we do definitely really enjoy that. Like it takes a lot of time and uh, uh, to make all those things, but it's, it's, it's the best feeling in the world, like finishing the video and putting it out there, so. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely pretty cool. I mean, I know, when I first started my channel and there was like, you know, 20 views on my first video, dude, I was freaking ecstatic. Yeah. And, and you know, now it's been a couple of years and it's like, man, what the hell? I only got 2000 views on that. Yeah. It's, it, it, I, it, <laughs> it's like you, you, you get grow numb to it. And I think the other part of it is like the, you also are just always looking like more into the future. You're like, yeah. You know, so like when you're at zero, you're looking at a hundred views. And when you're at a thousand views, you're looking at 2000. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. when you're at CES level and you're like, well, I only got, I only got 3 million views on that. Yeah. This is bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah. so, um, how, how big is your channel at this point? Um, right now, um, let me see. Uh, it's like we, almost 20,000. Yeah. We're at 18,980. So, Dude, you're killing it, man. So yeah, it's been it's been doing pretty good. We got uh, a lot of subscribers. I just put up a van tour video, and that's at 583,000 views. Like, holy, holy crap! Yeah. So, so it sounds like if you want to start a YouTube channel, fuck the mountain biking thing. Do vans. Oh yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so it's all doing good. And then I just put up a, another video yesterday. Um, I'm wearing a bikini, so if you would like to see what this beautiful figure looks like in a and a pink bikini. <laughs> Check it out, babe. So those so. of you guys that are listening to this as a podcast, I saw a bunch of people in the comments talking about putting a bikini on. Now, all of a sudden, it's making sense to me. Okay, sweet. Yeah, um, the bikini's over here on the table. Same thing with the wigs. Yeah. We like using props. I think props are fun. So. Props are definitely fun. So <laughs> let's talk about the wigs. So those of you guys, there, there's plenty of people that have probably never been to your channel. There's plenty of people that may not even in follow uh, Daily MTB Rider. So basically the premise of the video with mtb daily mtb is that he's going on va vacation he's going to drop his bike off to you guys and you guys are going to like put it together for him right exactly yeah so he like did three quarters of the work dropped it off and we were just going to finish it and so, uh yeah we had so, fun with it 
so what was what was it that like was that you and, and and your your partner like like hey let's come up with like something really fun or did you kind of brainstorm that with Josh or did he really yeah. just like drop you off with the camera and let you guys fucking do whatever you wanted? Yeah. So so Josh basically just was like, here you go, just do whatever you want. And so uh, me and Callie were just like, well, let's let's look at some other videos of like other YouTubers that have done something like this. And basically. We were like, okay, there's, it, we, it would be stupid if we didn't do something like super, like super obnoxious or, or something super different. So, um, so we went all out, we ordered a bunch of stuff. Uh, we got like a fog machine, the wigs and like a bunch of, um, and like a funny costumes for ourselves. And uh, yeah, we were just like, let's just make this super outrageous. Like if there's going to be anything, I mean, you got to put yourself out there, right? So we're like, let's just look like total idiots and uh and have some fun with it so that was the that was the goal so you guys basically like set yourself up like a hair band exactly. and then, then just like rocked out putting, exactly. putting this bike together yeah totally so it had pretty good feedback pretty much everything you do on the internet there's going to be a group of people that hate you and love you so um yeah, yeah. So, believe believe me dude i know all about <laughs> people hating you man yeah so, <laughs> um but that's the, that's the fun of it i think the first three videos that we started getting some like Hate like people always comment about my hair. They always say like, "Hey, that's a cute girl," or something, or "This girl is stupid," or something like that. And yeah. at first, you know, you're just like, "Oh, what the heck, man? This sucks." Like people suck. And then I just started laughing at it. And then now I screenshot all the bad ones. And uh, the wallpaper on our shop computer is like a bunch of really uh, uh, negative <laughs> uh, comments because it's really funny. Like people are actually on the other side typing this stuff. I think, I think the best way for that stuff is just to completely embrace it. And, yeah. and, and at least for me, that has a, a completely worked. Like I'll listen to other guys on YouTube and they'll be like, man, I had this guy say this, or I had this guy say that. And if you get yourself fired up about it, then they won. You know what yeah. I mean? But if yeah. you're just like, they're like somebody every once in a while, I'd be like, Oh man, you're a fat ass. I'm like, wow, you're a fucking genius. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Really? You didn't notice that? I mean, yeah. I'm I'm glad you fucking came all the way to the internet to fucking tell me that. You know, holy shit. I'm gonna yeah. go on a diet now because thank you. You just saved my life. No, you fuck. I don't care. You know, so anyways, what uh so you, you got some pretty good freaking hit counts on, on your on your channel. So what do you think inspired the growth that you got? Uh definitely a lot working with Josh. Um he got our foot in the door in terms of like getting getting traffic to our videos because we had a bunch up and then uh, um, Josh kind of started working with us and it definitely started, um, we got a couple thousand subscribers when we did a video together. And then kind of from there, I don't know, maybe people started sharing it. Um, I think also like I've been in a lot, you'll notice a lot of like bike shops will put uh, videos out, but it's, it's just like, hi guys, I'm, Dan from the bike shop. Here's the Fox Fork. Uh, it's cool and it's got like a damper in it and it's $900, go buy it. So uh, we wanna be a total opposite from that. We wanna, we wanna sell things because people have fun like watching our videos. So I've just been having fun with it, putting a lot of work into quality. I've been like storyboarding some stuff. Um, so I actually, I go through a, a lot of time like basically, yeah, like um, directing and producing a video that's more than just like, Hey guys, look at this new Fox fork that came out, go buy it. It's like, 
I think that that's definitely starting to. Be yeah, noticed, I, th so. I think those days of YouTube are friggin' they're 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 kind of over, you know. Yeah. I I think you could have got away with that, you know, five years ago or so. But at this point, I mean, even in the POV like mountain bike space, like when I first started my channel, there was only a few people, like less than twenty, that were really kind of doing it, you know, and, and yeah. some very successfully, and and some more like where I was at, you know, like and um now it's just there's hundreds of channels and hundreds of good channels yeah you know so I, I think what has happened because of that you used to be able to just put it on a gopro and freaking and a gimbal maybe and and go you know bomb down the trail and maybe not say anything or whatever and just like make it happen and um that would get more people but now it's like dude you got to have a good story or a good personality or a good like cinematography or something like there, yeah. there's you definitely have to set yourself uh like above the bar you know your bar has to be higher that's what i'm trying to say yeah you gotta do something to get noticed um so you gotta do something different i mean if everyone's doing that's the cool thing about youtube is that you can literally do anything so um i think that's really cool like the other day i'm like guys should i put a bikini like i was talking to guys in the shop i'm like should i put a bikini top on when i'm uh, washing the bike and they were like yeah, you should. And I'm like, are you sure it's not going to be like too much? And they're like, it's going to be. And I'm like, okay, sweet. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So yeah. then I went and bought one. <laughs> yeah. Carol, did Nirvana freaking dress up like transvestites in one of their videos? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it awesome? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or is that too old for you? Is that like classic rock? You're like, who's that band? I don't even no, know. That's, uh, no, my sister would, <laughs> my sister was heavy into the grunge when I was like, nine so oh, wow yeah. my sister through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like she's hella old no she's not that old no <laughs> no i'm just giving you a hard time now. <laughs> so um so let's get back to the shop so you're 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 doing you're doing the shop in in the van for a while and like that's just taken off you're like getting to the point where you're driving around too much what makes you want to make like go from this I'm assuming successful, like driving around kind of mobile shop to like making a brick and mortar instead of like getting another van and, and having more, mm -hmm. like, more of a mobile presence. Yeah. Um, so a couple things, um, probably the main thing is this, it was just a ton of work. I was constantly moving around. So it's like, I would be at the, um, I would be at the trailhead from uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, and then, Saturday night we would go to a brewery. So I was just working a ton and every time you you have to like tear down, move and then reset everything up. And so it was a ton of time. Um, and then people would always like expect a lot from me. Like uh, I, I used to go to people's house at like nine o'clock at night and deliver their bike. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to eat dinner or whatever. So it's already nine o'clock and they'd be like, well, I need my bike for tomorrow. Can you drop it off? And of course, I'm like a young, like a new like business owner. Of course, I'm super eager. I'm gonna like do whatever it takes to make them super happy. So I would drop their bike off at nine o'clock at night. I'm, this was like four days a week, so um, that this would happen. So things like that. I was just working literally sunrise to sunset, and that got to be a lot. So I wanted to have somewhere with business hours that people could come pick their bikes up, um, and then also as a mobile shop. Um, in, in the in the bike industry, um, the whole mobile bike shop thing is pretty new. And so it's really hard to get taken seriously to have like dealer accounts with some brands. Um, so we were having a, a hard time um, getting a couple of brands to get on board to work with us. And 
So we were like, okay, if we have a brick and mortar store, at least that uh, we don't have to like like deal with this stupid like struggling of trying to so let's tell, talk about show what people the, that we're serious or whatever. So let, let's talk about what that means. So like as a shop, you want to like kind of like build some relationship with with specific brands so that they will like wholesale to you cheaper or like what's just the reason so you can wholesale with them uh, yeah so, oh, so it's like, like even so you could even just sell their stuff yeah so we couldn't sell a, a handful of like key brands that we do most of our business with now um because we were a mobile bike shop so i mean Brand, i get it brands meaning in parts or brands meaning in like in actual like bikes both both very much oh, so okay. um so yeah it was just like it was just annoying because i get it though um you know, it's so like, wait a minute, like, even if you wanted to sell like specialized tubes, you have to like, cut a deal with them. You can't just like get like, go buy them from some kind of wholesale. Oh, yeah. How, no, how do you even get wholesale in the first place? Um, you there's distributors. Um, there's like, so how do you do that? You're just like freaking how do you find out? Was that from like working at a bike shop? You're like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm I already like knew all that stuff or whatever. So I basically when we when I split off or whatever, and we opened our own shop, like the first thing we did was like send our applications to all the distributors. And so that was a pain in the butt because when you're a mobile shop, I get it. I, I understand. Cause it's like anyone could get a van, you know, slap a vinyl on the side that says like Jim's bike shop, right. uh, mobile bike shop. And, and, you know, then have just like a, uh, work out of bikes, work on bikes out of their garage and out of their like van or back of their car. And it's like, everyone can't be doing that and getting wholesale parts, you know? So we, we basically, it was a struggle. We had to send like, really good photos and like stories of who we are and like what we do and all this stuff and our backgrounds and like all and like basically like create a business plan for the distributors generally like but uh generally if you just open a bike shop and you just have a location you take a picture of it um and you send over your business license they'll give you uh, an account you know and um but it didn't work like that with mobile stuff so it was, it was a struggle and um it, after doing that for a while it just kind of became annoying or whatever so um, so yeah. Did you have to like work out certain things like with that particular county that you were like driving in or the state? No, that was only? all actually really easy. So like what kind of process do you go through? So let's talk about this for, you know, people are considering maybe trying to do their own thing. Like what would what would be your advice? Like your top, like maybe three things. If somebody wanted to try to start doing a mobile, what would what would you say to them? Um, do something else if you want to make money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, uh, if you if you have a family and you're gonna do it, like definitely, you know, make sure that it's your second job. Um, it's gonna it's gotta be the uh, the thing that you do because you like doing it and you want to help people. Um, so luckily, I am at the point in my life where I don't I don't have kids, I don't have like own a house, I don't do anything. So it's like I had the of option flexibility. Of, I have the flexibility so I can work as much or as little as I want to technically or whatever. So, um, but yeah, if you got a household, you got like a family and stuff, um, don't expect, I mean, a lot of people think, uh, a lot of people still think this, even with a brick and mortar store that like, okay, here's, here's $60 for the tune-up that you just did. You know, people think that like, I take that 60 bucks, stick it in my pocket. And you know, I do, I just do eight tune-ups a day for, you know, 20 days a month. And I'm all of a sudden I'm making like $12,000 a month. And I'm like right. this huge baller. It's like, there's lots of overhead. You got to buy all the tools, you break tools, you got to buy 
Uh, you Dude, know, what are you talking about? You got, like, 20, you got 20,000 <laughs> subscribers on YouTube. Of course you're loaded. Yeah, dude. It makes so much money. Like, I just got this hoodie. My other one that I had had holes in every part of it for like two years. Um, so, yeah, I'm loaded now. But... Uh, uh, yeah, no, people definitely have that that idea. I mean, I, I did. Uh, I'm in tech, so I, I do mm -hmm. IT for my my regular job. And for years or years ago, you know, I, I would do web design and stuff like that. And people would always like, hey, build me this website. And they, they would just make this assumption that if they had a website, that all of a sudden, like thousands of people would come there. Yeah. And it'd be like, dude, you can build a website. But like, and how are you going to get people to come there? Exactly. Like, well, what do you mean? I have a website. They're going to get there. Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same thing with any kind of business. That's why I asked you earlier, like, how did you get people when you started just with the truck? Yeah. Know? Location, location, location. If you're doing something local, seriously, it's a, a best business advice I've ever been given by um, one of the owners that owns a shop that I worked at for the longest time. She's like, she's been named like, I don't know, queen of the local bike shop by like Quality Bicycle, which is like the biggest distributor, all the stuff. She's a really good business owner. She knows her shit. She told me like, it's like you either have to just like open a location where everyone's just gonna see you and just like walk inside and know that you're there or you have to, or if you get yourself out of the way, you have to like create a destination. So um, if you're gonna have like a, a shop in like an industrial area, you have to have a reason that people come to the shop as a destination. Otherwise, yeah. Just get literally like just get a shop that's on the main strip in your town. Yeah, or I have whatever a friend, business. Yeah. I have a friend that has a shop up in South Lake Tahoe, and in South Lake Tahoe is a pretty pretty big mountain bike area. So there's a handful of shops up there, and I was telling them the exact same thing, dude. You guys need like what's the reason that people come to your shop other than the bike brand that you carry? Mm -hmm. And they have a, they have this like bar that's on the other side of the wall from them mm -hmm. and i'm like why don't you guys just knock this fucking wall down and you know make a, a business relationship where i don't know how that exactly works out legality wise with the alcohol and stuff but like make it so that like hey man your shop they can come in because it's like a bar and grill you know so they can like people can get food and eat they could meander over there pick up some bike stuff maybe they get their flat tire fixed while they're having beers or like make it a place where you get done with your ride or your rental. You go back there, you eat like you guys can like really play off of each other. And I think the shops that you see, like, um, I don't know if you watch biking with Bobo, but there's a shop that he goes to a lot. That's like that where mm -hmm. it's like burgers and beer and, and the freaking bike shop. It's like, it, it's an experience. Mm -hmm. You're going there for that reason more yeah. than just like, Hey, I need to get a new tube. You yeah. know, it's like, mm -hmm. dude, I just got done riding. I'm going to go there. You know, if you yeah. could open up a spot that's like, I mean, but where you said like Bellingham, everything's pretty centrally located to me. I, they, like I drive like 40 minutes to go get on a trail almost anywhere mm -hmm. I, I ride. So it's like, man, if there was a spot that was like right next to the trailhead or damn close to the trailhead that I could go and like, instead of sitting in my truck drinking beers after, you know, on the tailgate afterwards, yeah go over there and be like, Oh, I ripped that tire. I can grab a new tire. We can get a burger, have a beer. And I'm sure as soon as I have two beers, I'm going to be like picking up some other crap that I probably don't need, but Hey, that's the way it goes. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. So what was the thing that you did the most in the, in the mobile bike shop? Like whenever you were, you were doing that end of it, like what kind of, of, 
work was like the constant, like that, that was really kind of helping pay the bills. Shimano brake leads. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's always like, oh, SRAM brakes suck. You got to bleed them and it's a pain in the ass. It's like, I literally bled so many Shimano brakes. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's like so easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but when, when you get to, when you hang your bike up on the shuttle rack and then you get to the trail and your brake is going to the bar and, uh, and then it keeps changing its bite point, then it's yeah. like, oh, this guy will just fix it for me and I can just go for a ride. I don't have to worry about it. And like, they just hang out for like 10 minutes and, right. uh, and I bleed their rake for them. So. Especially if you're at the trailhead, like you were saying. So it's like, I, I could totally see that. Like, dude, I'm going to sit on the, my tailgate. Just like I said a minute ago, drink a couple beers with my buddy and some dudes there with the shop. Yeah. Shit, dude. I'm definitely going to get yeah. something. Done. And you just don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. So whenever you decided to go into that brick and mortar stage, like that, I'm sure that was a pretty big leap of faith, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, I don't know. I think if you have the right mentality, anything will work as long as you put a lot of effort into it. And I was just like, well, I'm going to put a lot of effort into this and, uh, it's already been working with the mobile shop. So it should be even better with the brick and mortar store. It'll be less work. We should technically be more efficient, make, make more money. Weren't you um, worried though, that like people were like, Hey, he's not coming to me anymore. Like I need to go to him now. Uh, not really. I had a pretty good rapport with everyone. Like everyone kind of got to know me personally. So, um, once they knew that we moved, like everyone came, came to the shop. So everyone was pretty excited for us. So that's yeah. super cool. That's super cool. So now, now you have your own shop. So how do you, how do you like transition from having no, I would imagine your retail was probably pretty small in the, in pretty the tiny. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Go so, more stuff, man. <laughs> did you go to a, like, do you have bikes in the shop now or, um, so we don't really focus on bikes too much when we open the bike shop right off the bat. Um, we did have a floor full of bikes and, uh, it didn't, it, it didn't exactly, uh, satisfy us too much with how much work it took to floor them, move them around, do tune-ups all the time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we kind of just started focusing on components and accessories and uh -huh. service. Um, recently we did, um, start working with Kona. So we're, are going to have some bikes now. Yeah. Isn't that like the, the, the real money maker for bike shops is the service side of it though? Or is that um, the components or it depends. I mean, honestly, like it's just a lot of either retail or service. It's, uh, uh -huh. um, I mean, uh, it's really just about everything. Like everyone says like, you know, you don't make there people probably think that, um, you know, the, the, the shops make a killing in service, but you only do if you're working efficiently and doing quite a bit of it. Same mm -hmm. thing with retail. If you're uh, doing retail efficiently and you're, you have high turnover with the parts and or anything that you're selling um, and you are really just making sure that you don't go overboard with it, then, um, then both of them work great. Um, I think it's, I think it's all a package. Um, I think that the best bike shops do everything. Uh, same thing with with any business. So, how does it work with the bikes? Do you buy them like all like all out and then resell them, or is it like you get them on some kind of like loan deal? Like you you're paying like a finance charge until you pay for them, yeah. like, or is that like up to you? How, how, it how works work? both ways. It just totally depends on how you finance yourself. So, um, I mean, some just like any retail business, it's the exact same. Like uh, distributors or brands, manufacturers, whatever will. Um, will basically give you the option to have credit terms with them. And they also just give you the option to just pay it outright. So it really depends on how you finance things. So. 
mm -hmm. or financial self. Yeah. 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 I would imagine you'd probably be like, if, if you could like pay them out, then you're probably yep. better off that way. I try to do that with everything as, as much as I can. Yeah. 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 So tell me, um, I'm sure you've made a few mistakes along the way. What, what's one of the, the big ones that sticks out in your mind? Uh, working too much. Yeah. That's probably the worst thing. Yeah. Cause uh, you could burn yourself out. Even if you really like it. Like I like literally the only thing I, I really, really enjoy is bikes. And if you put, do too much of anything, it's you're going to burn yourself out a little bit. So every now and then, if, if you notice that I like don't have a video up for like a month or two, something like that, I'm just taking a break from, from working so much. So it's like right now I've got a bug where it's like spring and I'm like all super, super stoked on, on getting out and riding and everything bikes, 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 bikes. So um, that's how it goes. But yeah, every once in a while I'm like, okay, I need to step back. I'm still going to go ride, but I'm not going to film every single thing that I do. Et cetera, et cetera, things like that. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. So no, yeah. I can relate with that, dude. I went really hard charging on my channel for the first two years, and um, I think actually, too, like I have a personality that's like I always call it all or nothing. So mm -hmm. like I, I tend to go like 150 miles an hour in the yeah. and um, I when I do that, I like lose focus of everything else in my yeah. life. So yeah. I lost focus of my relationship with my lady, with my kids, with like everything you know and and it's a good and a bad thing you know in some cases it's really good because it, it because i'm hyper focused then i'm able to like be successful mm -hmm. you know but um on the other hand you know <laughs> if you can't catch yourself before you start falling like going too far like it, yeah it's definitely something so yeah re recently you know I, i've decided to kind of completely stop doing my pov for a while because i was getting burned out i was getting yeah. burned out not that i didn't mind recording like some guys that I talk to about YouTube, they're like, oh, I hate carrying the camera or, you know, I love going on a ride without the camera. The camera never bothered me, but it's like all the editing, you know, and the time that's spent into that is just yeah. really time consuming. Yeah. That video that I put up yesterday, um, let's see, I probably have about 40 to 50 hours editing and then about 40 hours of filming. Yeah. So yeah. that's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, I would always tell people that is like close to three times the amount of time that it took me to do the ride. Yeah. So, you know, like <laughs> if I did a three hour ride, it's at least like, you know, nine to 12 hours of editing. Yeah. To get that video to actually be decent. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can freaking just like throw some shit together, but that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. One of my buddies said to me, he goes, dude, you took something fun and you turned into a job. Yeah. You know, and it was a joke when he said it and it was funny at the time. And then it's one of those things that just kind of digs in you for a couple of months. You know, I kept thinking about it, you know, it was mm -hmm. when I'd be like, man, I don't want to edit this tonight. I want to like hang out with my family or I want to like go drink some beers with my buddies or I want to go just ride that trail and not worry about it. And, mm -hmm. and whenever I realized that it that it was like the joke wasn't starting to not be a joke anymore you know, that I was like, okay, I got, I got to change this. You know, mm -hmm. and if, if I want to continue doing this, which I love, I love doing the biker bar. I love doing the biker channel. I love doing the POV stuff. I love fucking editing. It's like, I'm creative. So it's really fun for me. Mm -hmm. But if it's not fun for me, then I'm just going to stop. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't want to just stop because I really enjoy it. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I need to get this shit in a check. Yeah. So I can totally relate with what you said originally, like, don't work too much. Yeah. I think that goes with everything in life, right? Totally. hundred percent. Everything. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, you said you do have sh bikes or you're getting ready to get bikes? Uh, yeah, so I kind of want to, I make sure that like uh, moving forward with how much business we do online, I really want to make sure that everything that we carry here in the store, we can also sell online. Most bikes and bike brands, uh, even their frames and everything, you can't sell them online. Um, so we just we just uh, figured out a thing with Kona, who actually has their headquarters here in town, where we're going to start being able to um, do their custom builds from frames up, and then we'll be able to sell their frames online. So we will be able to sell that, uh, actually sell what we ride online, which is going to be um, sweet. So that recently came up. So we're getting, I just got my frame um, like two days ago, super pretty uh and then uh um we're getting a fleet of demo bikes sometime in the next two weeks once i figure out the floor space for them and stuff like that um so yeah that's a that's a new thing so, so that's, that's why other other yeah. line line there is like demoing then yeah you're kind so, of spreading your fingers out like you're kind of all over the little bit all over the place like you know trying to get a little bit here a little bit there and so yeah well it's a lot easier now that i have employees because before um, I would go through stunt stints where I would either focus on local stuff or online stuff. Like I would go, sometimes I wouldn't even like, uh, um, I closed for, we were like refurbishing the shop last winter. I actually just closed the shop for like three months and just made videos. Um, and slowly but surely like worked on the shop, but I like went through a phase where I was just doing online stuff. But now that I have employees, I can do all the online stuff and the videos and the media and blah, blah, blah. Um, where they can take care of actually doing the work here in the shop. So mm -hmm. I think that's the, oh, that's another big mistake that I made is uh, trying to do everything myself and not hiring employees. Uh, numbers, like I, everything is shown 100% to be more profitable and efficient with employees. It's like, you're always like, I can just do it all myself. And then you're like, look back th three weeks later and you're like, sweet. Well, I just worked like a uh, hundred hours each week. That sucked. So, um, right. <laughs> So then, uh, then you're like, damn it, I need to hire somebody, but I don't want to pay them. But just like, just do it hundred percent. So what is like the long-term goal is the long-term goal to get to be like mostly online or like just all of these things? Um, everything. So, I mean, I, I think for a sustainable business, you have to do, you kind of have to do both. I mean, you don't have to do both. It depends on what you really want to do, but I, I really just enjoy having a bike shop. Like it's sweet. Um, so, I mean, the, the online thing, um, it's cool because you can have customers everywhere. So instead of just being limited to 85,000 people in Bellingham, I mean, only a handful are gonna ride bikes. But with the videos, like, I mean, um, it was sweet. Like yesterday, I put up a video, uh, that bike wash video, and immediately, like two hours later after being like, oh, fuck, I just edited for 11 hours. Like my head feels like it's gonna explode. Like my phone, buzzed and I got an order and someone from like Maryland ordered all the products that were in the video. Um, so, I mean, not only is, am I just trying to make money, but it's cool because like this random person like bought the things for me because they enjoyed what I'm doing and they enjoyed yeah. like the tips that I gave or whatever. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's there's cool. only, yeah. only the, I mean, the only other shop that I could think of is worldwide cyclery that's doing like videos that are recognizable you know, on top of their bike shop. But I think what you're doing is like way a step above that where you're like making them fun and making them not, yeah. you know, that just like kind of like cook, like 
cookie cutter kind of yeah. like, hey, check out this part or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like the whole copy paste YouTube retail thing where it's just like, all right, here I'm the same thing as the last one. I'm not like blaming it or saying that anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, literally, I mean, if you look at any industry, I'm also at, like really into cars, and so um, I'll go and I'm looking at like a, an exhaust manifold or something, and like there'd be a video, and there's gonna be like there's gonna be like a hundred different places being like, hey, look at this fucking pipe, man. Like here's right, a pipe. Right. It's a pipe. Buy it. It's like okay, sweet. Well, that's stupid. I'm not gonna remember this place ever, but there's a couple that like are super helpful. They give you a bunch of tips for like install and they like put a little funny thing in it. And it's like, I relate things for my business, how I'm a consumer for other industries. So, yeah, totally, um, totally. so that's what I want to see. So it's like, if I want to see it, then obviously I'm a person, then other people are going to want to see that too. And other things. So, yeah. I think the YouTube aspect of what you're doing is freaking like really cool. Like I, I honestly, I didn't realize what you were doing on your channel as, as much uh, as what I, I have now in the last few minutes we've been chatting, you know, that's, that's, um, that's, that's, that's a really good thing that you're doing. I, I, I'm, I'm quite impressed with the idea to tell you the truth. Yeah. What, um, what do you, what do you see? Like, like, are you monetizing the, the channel itself or are you like just using it strictly as a springboard for your own sales or? Uh, both. I mean, I mean, the we don't, people always ask, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, Oh, you make a bunch of money on like advertisements. I'm like, not really? <laughs> no. Like, dude, you're kidding me, man. Like you can see my house is outside in the parking lot. It's like, no, I don't make a bunch of money doing that. But I mean, it does like a little bit. Um, it's, it's not much at all. Um, and, uh, uh I'm, I'm serious. It's not much at all. And any, every, every YouTuber will tell you that it's about like yeah. monetizing your video in other ways. So, um, yeah. it drives people into our business locally. It drives people to our website. I think about 97% of our, our traffic to our online store is from YouTube. Um, so that's so like all the links cool. in your video are just pointing to your own site stuff. Yeah, like exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that's awesome. So you started, you, you got, you guys rebranded recently, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, we used to be called Mr. Lost bike shop for the longest time. And then we just recently rebranded as the lost co. Um, and it just, we want it for like the online stuff. We do want to be to a point where we're like one of the big names. Um, so we're, we're getting up there. Um, and Mr. Lost Bike Shop is always going to sound like a small business. I think people feel more confident buying some from like, not necessarily bigger, but a professional business that really knows what they're doing. Where it's like Mr. Lost Bike Shop sounded like a little hole in the wall bike shop. So, so when, it's, when it has that name, Mr. in the front of it, it implies one guy. Exactly. Yeah. And then also people always used to call me Mr. Loss and I'm not Mr. Loss. And uh, that was like a, the character of the bike shop. Um, and uh, so, so how did that, how did that come up? The Mr. Lost? Um, so Callie, my business partner, um, she created Mr. Lost who uh, one day she was like drawing in her notebook and she left it open on accident. And uh, I, I walked over to the notebook and I saw all of her sketches and it was of the, uh, the Mr. Lost face. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but um, I was just like, whoa, this is super cool. And she's like, hey, get the fuck out of my notebook or whatever. And I'm like, oh, sorry, it's open. So, Stop reading my yeah. diary. <laughs> yeah, so. You fucking pervert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and she showed, this is before we got into business together. Uh, so um, she told me the story. She's like, this is a character I've been drawing for years. His name's Mr. Lost. 
He's like this dirtbag guy who's like a bike rider and a climber and a skier and surfer. And people like know who he is, but they don't actually know him. They just know him as Mr. Lost. That's like the reputation he's got. He's like, like the, the guy, guy on the couch. The guy, uh, that guy on the couch. Yeah, I was just right. watching Half Baked actually two <laughs> nights ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and the guy that's always got his thumb out inside the road hitchhiking to this next destination. So she was like, yeah, I always thought it'd be cool to like make a t-shirt company or something, do something with it. And I was like, why don't you make a t-shirt company? That's fucking awesome. And she was like, I don't know. I'm not like super good at selling stuff and blah, blah. I'm like, well, I'm fucking good at selling stuff and I'm terrible at graphic design. So let's work <laughs> together. So that's let's how we actually started this. everything. So we started as a t-shirt company called Mr. Lost Dirtbag Society. Uh-huh. Um, and so we, we kicked that off and we did, we went on a road trip together and we went uh, up, uh, up into Northern BC and then over to Alberta, down through the Rockies and up the coast on California and we would like go to uh, ski resorts and go skiing. And then at night we would go into all the bars and I would sell t-shirts to people. Um, so, and give free stickers out and shit, you know, all that stuff. Um, Dude, there so, was one of the big brands that started out like that. I want to, I, I listened to this podcast called Specialized how, started out like that. How I made this. Have yeah. You ever heard of that? I love that one. Yeah. Dude, I love that thing, dude. And uh, I, I want to say it's like Billabong or something like that though, too. Like one of the big surf companies. Where it was a dude, it was just like kind of driving around, freaking. Well, I know GoPro started that way too. I think he he was like living in a van. Bunch of guys, I guess. I guess that's the way you get into action sports shit, right? Yeah. Live in a van, drive around, sell your stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it worked really well. That's specialized work like that. Like Mike Senior, the guy that uh, owns Specialized, he basically like got a bunch of parts from uh, from a manufacturer in Taiwan or something, and then that he was having made for him, he would get like a cart full of them and put a trailer on his bike. And then he would ride the bike from bike shop to bike shop. It like throughout California and like sell parts to them. Like oh, wow. long ass rides, man. Like this is back before, uh, um, back before the internet and shipping and stuff. So right. Yeah. <laughs> he was his own Amazon. He was, he was the Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's awesome. So you said you like that, uh, how I made this, uh, is there one in particular that sticks out to you? I like the Bob's Red Mill one, um, the guy that makes like all the oats, they're like the packaged oats and grains and things like that. Oh, I've seen that one. I haven't, I haven't watched it. It's good, dude. It. It's just like, it was just like his family got him to do it and then he ended up doing it and then it became sort of successful and then the whole fucking place burnt down oh, and shit. he was like, he was like, ah, fuck. And so <laughs> freaking out and, uh. And then they ended up like rebuilding it and doing all this stuff. And now the business is like huge. So it's basically like, it's a the great lesson is like, you literally just like, if you're trying to do a business, you just like, eat shit over and over and over again until it just like blows up one day. If you just keep working at it. So, yeah. I want to say it was like Whole Foods too. They had something like that. Like they opened that was up great. Their, first, yeah, that was a good one. their first show, their first shop. And like, it like flooded that night or something like that. And it was like, a whole shit show. The one that I really liked a lot on that one was uh, the dude from um, the burger company. What's that one? It's uh, oh god, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Five guys. Oh and yeah, he, I heard that one. Yeah, and the dude's like, you know, at the time doing the the recording, he's like probably almost eighty, but just sounds like a super fucking cool dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. I'm just a burger maker, man. You're like, what do you do? You know, like multi million dollar company. I just flip burgers, dude. Yeah, you know? yeah totally. Yeah, there's a lot of good stories in that. I really like that podcast. I, um, it's like the only one that can t- keep my attention. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, know. I, I kind of yeah. go all the all over the place with them. So, so uh, it, it's fun, you know. You got to kind of like 
mix it up a little. You sometimes it's the, some of the funny stuff. Sometimes it's like the murder shit. Sometimes yeah. it's like the that the stuff like that. So there there there's a bunch of interesting stuff out there. Yeah. Just like YouTube, it's like a whole other like YouTube plane. Except yeah. You don't see anything? Yeah. Got to use your goddamn imagination. The internet, man, <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> that. Remember that? Do you remember that old commercial where it was like, I, I, I found the end of the internet? You remember that one? No, what was oh, that for? I don't remember what it was from, but it's like, I always think about that. I'm like, I got to the end of the internet. Uh -huh. <laughs> anyway, oh, so back into the brick and mortar sh shop now. So you, you're, you're starting to get this deal with bikes you're going to do this demo thing. So people are just going to demo right from where you're at or. Yeah. So they just come to the shop, demo a bike. If they like it, they buy one pretty easy. Uh -huh. Yeah. So do you think that um, you'll reopen the mobile side again? No, or we sold the like, truck. Are you done with it? Yeah, I'm done with it. Yeah. Uh, looking at numbers and things like that. It was, it was like, it's cool. And everyone thinks that it's like, something that uh or we always get recommended from people to like oh we're back up we should do it again but just i mean i i i don't mind working i don't mind uh you know working a lot and things like that but you know at the end of the day you kind of have to support yourself like you can't just be you know just like i mean it like i'll work on bikes all day sometimes my like, arm starts to hurt you know it's like i'd like to at least be able to like afford like to be able to you know buy food right <laughs> yeah it's stuff like pay the bills you know so it's kind of mandatory these days so so you said earlier in the podcast that like you have to define what success means to you when you started with that first ten thousand dollar u-haul what was success to you at that point like just like put Dude, i didn't in know my mouth. <laughs> yeah i don't know success was just like being able to well so i think another problem that too another like piece of advice or whatever is uh don't ever assume that anything's going to be easy. Cause like, <laughs> you, you, uh, don't ever fucking assume yeah. that that's, you're just yeah. making an ass out of yourself. Like if you want to start yeah. a business, grab your ankles and hold on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, and look into some good, like forehead wrinkle cream. Cause you're going to start developing wrinkles wherever, no matter how old you are <laughs> in the business. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So like when I first started and I remember me and Callie, when we were first started, like, we were looking at everything and we're like, okay, we already work in a shop 40 hours a week. We're already doing these repairs. All we got to do, like all we got to do is just open our own shop and just do it for ourselves. And we didn't realize that we also had to do all the bookkeeping, all the ordering and shipping and receiving. We had to do like maintenance on like the truck. We had to do like, uh, you know, we had to do marketing and advertising. We had yeah, to do you, everything. I thought you were just cutting out the middle man, but yeah. not the middle men. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's not like we were just there. Like, uh, it wasn't just us. We had worked in a shop with like 15, 16 employees. Like, I don't know. We just thought like, we're already doing it. We'll just go and do it for ourselves. But being, being yeah. naive is a beautiful thing though, because it is, if it wasn't yeah. for that, you guys wouldn't be where you're at right now. Oh right? yeah, totally. The owner of the shop that we used to work at when we told him that we were going to quit to open our own shop, he was like, are you sure? Like you guys have, are going to be doing a lot of work that you probably didn't think about. And we're just like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're like, John, we already know, man, don't work. We fucking know everything, dude. <laughs> And it's like, this guy was like 75, owned a bike shop for like 35 years, you know? <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, we're, we're, we know what we're doing, man. Yeah, you we ain't got no experience. <laughs> we read a book and watched some YouTube videos on like uh, business ownership. 
So yeah. shut the fuck up. Uh, we know what we're doing. Yeah. So 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 over the years now, things have have, have metamorphosed. Metamorphosed. I can't even. Yeah. Say that whatever. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's the one <laughs> I'm trying to say. That word. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Anyways. So what is success now? Like, what is that that you're looking at and you're thinking, man? If I got to, like, is it, man? I want to shop that fifteen thousand square feet, or I want to be doing like. $50,000 a month in sales, or I want to have, you know, my YouTube channel be at a hundred thousand subscribers. Like what's success now? Uh, success now is, uh, it's always developing or whatever, but I think right now my, my goal is like, um, I think it would be sweet to own a house. I think that'd be cool. Um, and know that I, uh, and I bought it from just like working really hard. I think that's my success right now. Um, and also being able to work less, not, not at all. I, I still like working. I'd like to work about 30 hours a week, be able to, um, and be able to take breaks for a couple weeks at a time here and there, um, to go ride. I think that's the big thing. But I think, uh, like monetary wise, I don't fucking care. As long as I can keep my van and, uh, and, uh, and, and own a house at some point, I think that I'll be set. I don't really need much. So, yeah. Right on, man. So, Moving, moving on from there. So what, what kind of riding do you like to do? Um, so I grew up riding BMX, so I just like doing stupid stuff. Um, so, uh, you're more like dirt jumper guy or like a big, big air guy. Or? Uh, not really dirt jumps. Um, I, when I first moved out here, I was super into just like free ride stuff. Like I, I, I was like the guy, like, uh, I had things to check off a list. So I just went out and like hit like all the big moves and stuff. And, Lately, I've been slowing down with that stuff. Uh, I'm not. What, what was the big move that was like the one that you thought like once you could do that, you'd be like, fuck. Uh, there's this one drop. I was actually scouting a trail above it today. Um, there's this one drop uh, on the other side of the hill um, that probably only a handful of people have done or whatever, but it's probably like, um, it's a big step down. It's probably like, fuck, I don't know. It's. I don't know, man. It's like 25 foot down and like 30, 35 feet out, something like that. Um, and it's just huge. And it like out of a berm into this drop. So I did that. And then I was like, fuck yeah, this is sweet. Uh, and then I took a couple crashes and you know how that goes. You start kind of getting in your head and slowing down. So yeah, um, no, a couple yeah. crashes, a good injury will fucking set you back real Yeah, good. it will. Yeah, it will. I used um, to be crazy fast on the downhill, like to the point where people all the time would be like, dude, you need to race. And I'd be like, I, I, the only people I ever really give a fuck about beating is my friends. Yeah. And, um, I, I always like felt like I never had any really bad wipeouts because I felt like I always like was within my riding skill set. Yeah. And yeah, I would push it to get better, but I always felt like, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm smart enough not, not to make a bad decision. That's going to like, fuck me up you know yeah and um i was doing this ride one night it was a night ride and i took off from this section of downhill of a little downhill section nothing fucking intense at all and probably got about 30 40 feet from where i started maybe i was going 15 20 miles an hour and my fork failed and when that happened it it dropped my headset into the front tire and just threw me over the bars so fucking fast. I, I just hit the ground and I heard this pop and it was like, as soon as I hit the ground, I knew that was, that was bad. And regardless of what the injury was or whatever, what that did to me 
was it changed my perspective because now all of a sudden, instead of it being, I'm the one that's in control, like the only way that I'm going to get hurt is by me making a bad decision. Yeah. It made me realize that dude, your gear can fail. Like you have absolutely no fucking control of that. Mm -hmm. And that has just like, it took me well over a year to even get to the point where like, I wasn't consistently worried about that, you know, like, like, yes, I could like, it took a while to get over the injury that I ended up getting. It took about six months or so until I could even really ride again. And, um, but, but it, after that, it was like, man, it took a long time to kind of get that, like those balls back, you know? Yeah. Okay? yeah. And, and, and quite honestly, like, it's still one of those things. I definitely don't ride the way that I did before, you know? Yeah. Yeah, have, you had, have, have you had a big injury? Uh, no, I've never had a big injury. Uh, knock on wood. Right? Yeah, let's um, do that. <laughs> I've, never, I've never broken anything. Um, I don't think I've ever even had to have stitches from a mountain bike ride or BMX. I've never actually got hurt on a bicycle, um, which is yeah. good. But uh, I've taken a, enough tumbles to where I just like crashed and you just like get real shook up. So yeah. um, I'm just like, okay, sweet. I didn't get hurt. So um, I got really lucky. So let's try to not just get really lucky again. That's my thing. Yeah. So I like riding bikes for like a, like a lot and for a long amount of time. And I used to just be like, I used to not really think about that. I was just like, whatever. Like, look at this. Look at this big thing. Right. Only a couple of people have done it. Like, fuck. Let me try to do it. So yeah, yeah that's uh, I've I've been uh, yeah definitely slowing down on the on the big big hits um, lately. But I still ride hard and um, like I'll you know hit everything and in uh in the whistler bike park and stuff like that but like random things out in the woods that like some nutcases build like uh i think definitely slow down on that stuff so so what's 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 the rig that you're riding right now um so i had an ns snap and uh now that we're doing kona i just got a kona process 153 um so talk to me about that bike what is it uh it's basically like they're six inch trail bikes 153 millimeters of rear travel um the cool thing is that they're not like super duper slack. Like a lot of bikes have like 64 degree head tube angles now. So this one's got 66. Um, I'm going to oh, put, wow. yeah, offset bushing in the shock to make it go down to 65 just to, just cause and see how I like that. Um, but I just got the frame. I haven't built it up yet. So I'm still waiting on suspension. It'll have a Fox 36. Um, I'll have a float X2, a DPX2 and a DHX2 for it. Cause I'm trying, I want to make a video for comparing all the shocks against each other. That's a really common question, and uh, it'll have some uh, CRD Cascade Racing Designs wheels and bars and stem. CRD is actually owned by our head mechanic Russ here at the shop, um, so he's going to build me up a set of wheels. And he just got a, a new uh, stem machine by a local company, um, a local uh, manufacturing company here. He's got carbon bars. That'll be sweet. Other than that, I'm trying to get the um, SRAM Axis, the wireless drivetrain for it. Just trying to get that from SRAM. So um but uh i think that'd be cool to make a video on stuff like that so i'm pretty pumped new bike i haven't had a new bike in like uh almost two years so yeah yeah no new bike day is always a good day yeah so is that is are you like a uh like a single quiver kind of guy or you got a handful of bikes uh i, I typically like to just have one i used to have a downhill bike and a trail bike and um i don't know i really like i, I grew up riding little 20 inch bikes so i mean I have more fun on like a more nimble trail bike than I do on a big downhill bike. Uh, they're just more fun to kind of toss around and 
I don't know. They're they're just more fun to me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. I I started out on BMX when I was young too, and, and I think even today I still ride a frame size smaller than what I should for how yeah. tall I am, because I agree with you. Like I, it, it, you can just kind of move maneuver it a little bit better, yeah. and that to me is what feels comfortable. A lot of times, guys will ask me like, "Hey, I'm this tall. Like, what should I be on?" And I'm like, "Dude," or they'll ask me. Let me rephrase that. They'll ask me. I'm the same height as you. What what size frame do you have? And I always say, look, dude, like I I don't ride what most people else yeah. do. Yeah. And because I ride a smaller frame, there's things that there's there like there's the good parts of like being able to whip it around and stuff like that. But there's also the bad part where it's like, okay, well I'm on a large instead of an extra large, so my seat's like super high, so. Yeah. Because of where my weight is, it tends to lift that front wheel more on climbing and things like that. Where, yeah. Like there's things that you give up, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah. for me, like, I don't really give a shit about what my climbing's like or what that kind of thing. Like I, <laughs> yeah. want, I want it to like feel right yeah, whenever fun. I'm, yeah. on, the, on the rowdy spots. Yeah, you know? totally. I don't know where we're at, but I forgot to plug my laptop in. So talk to people about uh, things and give out your credit card number or something. I'll be right back. I got to plug yeah, yeah, in my yeah. uh, yeah, yeah I, got, I got some coverage. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think it's pretty interesting the way that that he started this whole thing from basically a whim, you know. So he's he's back east. I'm gonna do a little recap for you guys. He's back east, growing up in the Midwest, decides that he wants to move to Bellingham, move out of the Midwest, move to Bellingham instead of Colorado, because apparently Colorado sucks. And <laughs> Goes to Bellingham, buys a ten thousand dollar U-Haul, then meets meets some girl at a bike shop. They start a, a t-shirt company, and next thing you know, they're they're um, having a mobile mobile web or a mobile bike shop, and now a brick and mortar place. That's it's interesting to me. Like this is how easily your life can change just by simple decisions and kind of chasing your dreams. I think that's an important thing is that, like I said earlier, for those of you guys have been listening the whole time, like chase your passions, whatever they are, because it pays off or if it doesn't pay off it, it, it like monetarily, it may not pay off, but it'll definitely pay off, you know, in the, in the happiness realm. And that's definitely worked for me so far. Outside of that, um, I'm surprised that he doesn't ride a hardtail. Where's the hardtail at, dude? Uh, I had one, like, actually when I sold my, so yeah, I used to have a downhill bike and a trail bike, and then um, I sold them both and just had a hardtail for one, for one winter for like six months, and it's fun, but my fucking knees were just like, hey man, can you get something with a rear shock? So I answered their question and I, yeah, got a full suspension bike. Hardtails are fun, but I think that they're good as a second bike, but I really just like having one. So I'd rather yeah, have a yeah. Bike. yeah. No, and I can agree with you there, dude. If I only had one, it definitely would still be a, like a, a 150 bike. Yeah. You know, full suspension without a doubt. I bought a, a Santa Cruz chameleon. Um, I bought it in August, but I didn't get it till December. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But um, so I've been riding the shit out of that thing lately. And and honestly, I think there's parts of it that make that it's fun to me 
because it kind of like brings back that BMX stuff to me. Cause like, when I grew up riding BMX, a lot of the BMX stuff that we were riding in some cases was pseudo trail riding the city that I lived in. It'd be like you ride through this street and then you take this little trail through this part of the woods and then you pop back out on this street and then you go down through these like six people's backyards and you hit this jump that goes over the alleyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was like, kind of like a little bit of, of both, you know, like for me, like we didn't think about it as like a gap jump, but in some cases it was, you know, mm -hmm. or we didn't think about it as a tabletop. It was, you're jumping over that road, you, you know, but it really was just a tabletop, you know? And um, I, I, I think for me, a lot of, of the reason that I enjoy riding bikes is like, it brings you back to being a kid again. Mm -hmm. And I think riding the hardtail, the way that you feel the bike move under you because the suspension is all in your legs and your body, mm -hmm. like it brings that feeling back to me. And I think that's what I, I I've been really enjoying, but man, I'll tell you what, I'm 42. You'll learn about this when you hit your forties. My fucking lower back is killing me by the time I get done with the ride. Yeah. Yeah, my back. I used to have a back problem. Uh, I don't know what was wrong, but I just remember my back used to hurt all the time. And uh, I didn't do anything about it. But one time I was riding this like uh, really steep trail, um, probably the steepest part of any trails out here or whatever. And I just went over the bars, flipped over, landed back over like this giant log, my back like right over a log, and it cracked my back. And I, I was like, I screamed at first. And I was like, fuck, I just broke my back. But then I got up and it just cracked my back in every way possible. And I got up and I was like, I feel better than ever. It was yeah. like an episode of The Simpsons. Homer does that. Yeah. So like uh, that 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 log's name should be like chiropractor. Yeah. Like yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> so that's uh yeah, that's all my experience with back pain. So. so with um in the shop, whenever you're you're working on people's bikes, what is the thing that people get wrong the most? Uh Geez, I don't know. Probably like this isn't even like a mechanic thing. It's just like bike setup. I, as we see a lot of um, people with like their brakes butted up against their grip, and then like they're they hold their handlebars all weird, or it's like hitting their second finger, and there's like no ergonomics to it. So one of my favorite things ever is just like putting someone's uh, putting someone's brake levers and shifters to like a more ergonomic place and not telling them, mm -hmm. and then it's just like, and then they're just like, wow, my bike feels so much better. That's a, really, <laughs> that's a really common thing. Um, a lot of people run like really high tire pressure or some people it's uh, the fork will be full soft or full slow rebound. And then the shock will be full fast rebound. So you're just riding like a pogo stick in the rear and like packing up your fork or vice versa. And so we'll always, we'll change the suspension or tell them about it. And then they I, always come back and they're like, Holy shit, my bike rides so much better. So yeah. So tell me if you agree on this one. I think that a lot of people fuck this up and I, I'd like to hear your way of choosing this correctly. I think a lot of people have the wrong stem on their bike. Like mm. either it's like, like too long or too high. Like how do you choose the right stem length? Ah, uh, uh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, it really comes down to personal preference and like how tall you are versus how tall or how big your bike is. Like I'm five seven, and I ride a medium, so I always ride like a thirty five millimeter stem um, on on modern bikes. Uh, so, but, so in in you said like in in like 
um, I forget the word you use a minute ago, like bike geometry or setup or something like that. Where should your hands be in like relative to like where your seat is or something like that? That is how you're choosing where that stem length is. Uh, I feel like I go more like reach. Um, so like if I was to go buy like a used 2014 bike, I would right. ride like a 50 millimeter stem just to get mm -hmm. it out there a little bit more. It also affects handling a little bit when like when your stem's too long, it affects handling. But I mean, there's some people like I saw somebody the other day that's on like a 2009 stump jumper or something. They had like a 78, 75 or 80 millimeter stem. I mean, it's like this Yeah, those long. stems used to be super yeah. long back then. But the reach was, the top tubes were so tiny that you, that's just how the bikes came and that's the only way to make it not be super short. So uh, it's just totally different kind of riding. So, I mean, everyone's, I think really what it's coming down to is like uh, how media is uh, portraying bikes and how more trails are being built like this and how more people just have the mentality they want to ride like this. It's all going to like aggressive riding. Um, and I think that uh, everyone's trying to get their weight back over the back wheel because trails are getting a little more, more high speed and more, more steep. So I think that it really comes down to the type of riding you're doing. I mean, if you're just doing like all mountain stuff, most people can do like 50 millimeter stem. Uh -huh. um, but if you're going like aggressive, like hard, uh, like downhill stuff, free ride things, jumping, um, high speed things, you're going to want to get your, your ass over the back wheel, you know? So you're going to want right. a little bit of shorter stem, 35, 40, 45, something like that. But yeah. So, so what it, about the rise? I mean, back in the day, you used to want like a, like one and a half degree rise on your handlebars. And then maybe you had some kind of rise on your stem too. And now it seems like stems are, are almost they barely have any rise on them at all now yeah most of them are just zero degree rise uh and then bar rise um it, it that kind of depends on a uh, couple things like um if you're riding really steep stuff you're gonna want a bar that's a little bit higher um like a 30 or so then what, you're does, gonna that, what does that do for you uh it technically so you typically you um so here's like the fork rig you're gonna want your handlebars to be lined up with like the um, the line of your fork, and so the more rise, the more it comes back. So you're technically higher up, so you can, and you're a little bit farther back, so you can get more weight over the back. It's easier to pull up and stuff like that. Um, I run a I run a 20 millimeter. The most common is 20 millimeter rise bar, and that's going to be pretty good universally. So it's going to be good for um, trail riding, all mountain enduro things like that, and, and downhill and stuff like that. Most people are at a 20, but if you want a little bit more more lift, want a little bit easier to pull up and pull back, a 30 or 35 millimeter rise bar helps mm -hmm. a little bit. And these are all, like everything with bikes, like little increments, they make very small adjustments. Like, I mean, if yeah, you slap yeah. like a 20 versus a 35 on my bike, like, I don't know, will I notice a difference? Yeah, maybe a little bit. It's not gonna be anything like super crazy, huge I think sleepover. A lot of stuff with bikes, man, you really just have to ride for a long time to really understand it. It's one of those things like if you get a, like I could take somebody that's new on bikes and like put them on my chameleon, that's my hardtail, and then put them on my Bronson and, and ask them like some questions about how they feel on it. And really all they're going to feel is that, oh, well, this one's squishy and that one's not. Yeah. You know, and it's like it. That was one of those things that like even for me, like I would listen to guys talk about like, oh, well. I got this part and I could totally feel this difference. And like, you can't do, you don't feel those differences until you've ridden for a long time. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, totally. And uh, then you, then like when you change that, like, I, I think like upgrading your bike is a freaking awesome thing to do. So like, if you're new to riding, don't go buy the baddest bike out there because you're not going to know which one of those components made that bike awesome to you. You know what I mean? I feel like if you, if you're new to riding and you get like a lower entry, like a lower level bike, not, you know, like bottom of the line or whatever, but like, and you upgrade parts as you go, you really see the difference. You yeah. know what I mean? So you're like, oh, wow. When I built those wheels that had really good fucking hubs in it, all of a sudden I could tell like when I backpedal real quick to get over a rock or when I got up out of the saddle, like, wow, it like really engaged. Like you could really get it. You know what I mean? But if you just went from like one, like, like for example, whenever I bought my Bronson, I was riding a bike at that point that was almost 10 years old. I had like upgraded a lot of stuff, but whenever I got my Bronson was like, is what I'm feeling right now, like this awesome ride. Is that because of the suspension platforms different? Is that because I have carbon wheels? Is that because I have a carbon frame? Like you don't know any of those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bikes are pretty dialed. Like, I mean, you go and buy, you spend like 3,500 bucks on a bike and you're going to have a bike that's going to like be something that you can like progress with. I think that's a big yeah. thing is a lot of people will be like, um, actually my, my girlfriend, uh, she, um, just got into mountain biking recently. She used to ride uh, road bikes and stuff, but she like built up a, a hard tail. Um, and it's more like cross country. And, uh, she just wasn't sure she didn't want to like spend a bunch of money on a mountain bike. If she didn't like it, but she's already like starting to hit jumps and stuff. And she's like, like literally like three weeks ago, she built this hard tail and now she's going to be, she's going to be getting a full suspension bike this week. And it's like a lot of people, um, always think that, there's no reason to buy a bike that they can progress into. They're just like, this is what will be fine now. And then, uh, you know, just assuming that they're not going to like it or something. But I understand, you know, no one wants to dump a bunch of money, but you can kind of tell from the person, like their personality type, like you could tell who's going to get like the bike bug, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I always try, like, I, I just stress, like, trust me, like you're going to spend $600 more. You're going to get $1,800 more in upgrades but then you don't have to also go through the time of selling the bike and um, and then struggling with your old bike and just not being mad at yeah. your decision, things like that. So, I mean, I was I talking, talking to a friend um, the other day that was sizing up a bike to buy. And it was like the advice that I was giving him was like, get the frame that you're happy with and then get the suspension level on that bike that you'll be happy with like because you're going to save the most money in that like like if it comes with bullshit fork or that the next level up is like fox 36 or something like that like get that because those parts cost a lot of money but don't worry about the upgrade that's like hey this is the nx and then that one's the x01 it's like dude get the nx man and yeah when you you're gonna you're gonna wear that out you're gonna buy that again yeah. You know what I mean? So at that point you can decide, Hey, I want to save some weight or I want to, you know, get this other one because it's a little bit better Then you can do it then, you know, do you agree with me or do you oh, yeah. agree, uh, have 100%, a hundred percent? I would, I always tell people like, I would rather have a bike with entry level components and higher end suspension versus yeah. vice versa. I would, I would not like, yeah, I'd rather have a Fox 36 and float X2 and an NX drivetrain versus a bike 
with like a Rock Shocks um, revelation and a, and a and just a deluxe shock, the, the, the deluxe R with no adjustments, and have X01 Eagle. Like that's yeah. the suspension uh, makes the biggest difference. So yeah, I tell you yeah. what, I, I will say I am surprised with how good that NX line is. It does. It's just great. Yeah, no, it's really good, man. They definitely. I, I'll tell you, I am. I am a a SRAM fanboy when it comes to drivetrain, and a Shimano fanboy when it comes to to brakes. How, how, where do you fall on those two? Uh, I I can't ride a bike with Shimanos. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, like Shimano you're, brakes. You're a modulation guy. I'm a modulator. <laughs> modulation. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, I just don't get along with them. I I really like to be able to um to feather my weight down instead of just grabbing a fistful of brake at the bottom of like a chute or something. So um, I borrowed my coworker's bike today because mine's not done and he's got saints on it and they're super powerful. Like they feel good when you want to fucking stop. Um, but there's just something about it. You just, you kind of wait until the last minute, then hit your brakes. And I don't really ride like that. I like riding like smooth and like a little bit more controlled or whatever. So I just feel more controlled with strams. I'll tell you what, what this is my personal opinion on that. And, um, Mind you, I do ride Shimano. So, so, <laughs> um, I feel like with something like that, your brain adjusts to whatever you have. So like, regardless of how you pull a SRAM or how you pull a Shimano brake, like, yeah, there's, I will definitely agree. The Shimano brakes are way more bitey, but I feel like if you ride Shimano for a, a like, that's what you get used to. You learn how to feather that instead of if you just get off a SRAM and, and get on the Shimano, it's just going to feel like, like obnoxious to you. You know what I mean? The same way it does to me is if I get on a SRAM and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Where's the bite at? Do you, you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like it's just like, it's, it's like one of those things, like you said earlier, like it's just like, it's personal preference. I, I feel like it's kind of like you will ride, you will learn how to ride that efficiently. Yeah, I think Josh said it best. I think this is like his one of the best opinions that he's ever put out. Is like SRAM versus Shimano brakes. You really, it really just comes down to what you started riding with. So like my first mountain bike, uh, my first legit mountain bike uh, had SRAM guides on it, and so I just always really liked them. Um, but I could see that if I used to have Shimanos or whatever, then I might like them. I built a bike two years ago with XTs to see if I liked them. Um, cause I wanted to try to switch cause I thought it was kind of cool, like on and off or whatever. And then I just like ended up just riding with it for a few months and I just couldn't stand it. Like I just didn't like it. Yeah. So I'll tell you, dude, I had a, the guide, the guide ultimates on the Bronson when I got them. And honestly, I didn't have any problem with the braking power on them at all. I didn't even really care about the modulation part of it. Didn't really fucking bother me either. Yeah. But what I did have a problem with was. I just feel like they didn't like um, let the heat go well enough and my pads would get glazed all the time and I just had a lot of noise out of the braking system. And I feel like Shimano with the ice tech rotors and, and, and the way that they have the heat sinks on the pads that it just handles the heat better. I'm a really big dude. I'm, you know what I mean? Oh I'm yeah. Yeah. Sure. Two, 280, you know, I'm running, running fucking saints with two or threes front and back. And, sure. and on, even with, um, I didn't have two or threes on the ultimates. I had the, the one eighties and I just, they, they just made so much fucking noise. And I had before that 
Shimano XTs that had 180s on it and I never had that noise problem. So for me, I, I don't know if I'm right in my opinion, but for me, it was like, oh, the way that the ice tech would defer the heat and those like heat sinks on the pads, that must be it. It's like being able to cool down quicker. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I think that they both work great. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, it really comes down to what works best for each. Have right? you ever ridden any like, like TRP or like Magura or anything like that? Um, no, but uh, one of the guys on our race team, um, he really loves TRPs. We sell a lot of them. Um, and that's a really common question. Like, Oh, what do you th think about it? I'm like, honestly, I haven't ridden them yet, but, um, from, from all the people that I do know that ride them really like them. It seems to be a really happy place or like a uh, happy point, uh, between Shimano and SRAM where they've got some modulation, but they also really, really smack the lever. Like it just locks up and, and stops you. So, yeah. yeah. So if you had to pick like one, like part on a bike that was where you would spend your money at. So you just had like an entry level bike. Would it be like brakes or wheels or a dropper or what would it be? Um, how entry level a bike, like a bike with a rigid seat post. Yeah, actually let's take that out of it. Let's cause dropper is like, obviously always going to be the, the fucking. Yeah. Guy. So, so how about this? Like wheels or drivetrain or like suspension, uh, suspension, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you think suspension, like what what is like good to you? Is it like um, something that's a coil? Is it something that's error? Is it like something about like a specific company? Is it Fox that you think about or like some other company? Like what is it in suspension that you look for? Um, I have been riding uh, both. I rode Rock Shocks for a long time and then recently started riding Fox about two years ago. And uh, I, I really, I like the Fox stuff. Like if you go on our YouTube channel, you'll notice that we have a lot of Fox videos. Um, and mainly it's just because that's like been the biggest thing that I actually notice a difference on. So that's why I like to put a lot of our effort into that because I actually am the most excited. Like I'm not just trying to sell it, um, but it feels the best to me. I, I have a 36 with that grip two damper and I have a, um, I have both the float X2 and the DHX2. Um, I like the float X2 the best, it's lighter. You can tune it more with progression. Um, so I, I don't know. That setup to me is fucking perfect. So I really like that setup. I have a RockShox right now. I think I had a. What was it? Is Manitou that was that was Ceram too? Was no, that's a separate company. Manitou is separate. Yeah, Marzoki yeah, right. is owned by Fox. Yeah, so I had a Manitou on my last bike as a rear shock, but my my fork was a, a lefty. And I have the rock shocks on this one, front and back. And I'll tell you what, dude, every Fox suspension bike that I've got on, it just feels so like buttery. I agree yeah. with you on the Fox. I feel like Fox has it dialed. Have you tried any of the uh, the Vorsprung stuff? Uh, no, I haven't. So like the popular one was like that Luft copy, which was just like a larger negative air spring. Um, but then recently Fox, or I mean, uh, rock shocks released a, Debonair Airspring upgrade kit for all previous versions and that basically does the same thing. So mm -hmm. like one of the most popular things like every time we service like a old, uh, an older pike from like 2014 and uh, uh, between 2014 and 2017, those were pre-Debonair and so we keep the Debonair Airspring here in stock for 42 bucks and it's like if we're servicing your fork, you know, this is going to be a huge upgrade. We're not going to charge you any extra to put it in. 
um, besides the part. And it's so, I mean, yeah. I have a 2017 Bronson with the pike on it. So what, yeah. what, what's that part? Uh, it's the debonair air spring. So, and they're 42 bucks. So, so would it be that, or you think the, the Vorsprunger is at the same, they're both the same thing? It basically does the same thing. So, I mean, the Vorsprung's got like more of a chart where it's like tuned to this specific air volume and stuff. But I mean, RockShox has their, their shit pretty dialed. So yeah, yeah, um, know like we, we have, so every time anyone ever comes back that we do that too, they're just like, that made a huge difference for 42 bucks. That was like the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. So, yeah. What it, what it, in looking back in your, your purchases over the years, what are some of the things that like shocked you the most whenever you upgraded them on your bike? Uh, I really, one thing that I've really grown, um, grown to love is uh, upgraded brake levers. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, the RSC line of SRAM brakes, they have. Hang on. Before uh, you, before you talk about this any further, we got to learn which finger do you pull with your brakes? Uh, index. Oh yeah. Cause I used to use my middle fingers for a long time. Really? So yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. <laughs> I felt like I had better handle on the bars, but I, the, I think my levers now are a little shorter. So I had to start using my index finger. Yeah. So I was just curious before you said like into your brake lever story. So, okay. Oh go yeah. For it. Um, the, the, basically when you get to the RSC line of SRAM brakes, the, the brake lever has a bearing, uh, on the body where the, where the lever pivots and, that just feels awesome. Like all other brakes, like just have like a little, like a, like a, a pin pressed in and uh, they just don't feel as good, but that they get that bearing in there and it just feels like super precise. Just feels, I don't know. It just feels badass. So uh, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you that that's probably one of my favorite upgrades is, is brakes on a bike. It's one thing that you'll definitely know. I I've said this a million times over anybody that listens to my channel frequently is like, the best way to know that you have shitty brakes is buy better ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> because you never know at the time. Like, you're like, no, my brakes are fine. Dude, you put better brakes on, you're like, holy shit, my old brakes suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, cheap brakes suck. Like, yeah, there's, we we had like some rental bikes last year that were like entry level full suspensions that were like $1,600. And they had like these Shimano, whatever. They were like M1400 or something, like some just random OEM brake. And like, the bike felt fine. Like everything just felt like it just didn't work very well. So uh, when I was, I was like riding uh, a, like a gnarly trail on it. I was just trying to see like what it was like to ride a super entry level bike on it. And um, it felt like the bike was great. It just like not much power in the brakes. The suspension didn't feel very great. Uh, things like that. But yeah, those, I mean, I was having trouble slowing down. So yeah, I feel like sucks. you can get over shitty suspension. But you can't get over shitty brakes, man. True, yeah, and shitty you know? tires, shitty tires. Um, what's, what's, like your, what's your what's your what's uh, your favorite tire? WTB Vigilante in the front and the Judge in the rear is my winter setup. But the new bike is going to have a Vigilante in the front, Trail Boss in the rear. So are those yeah. both WTB? Yeah, WTB, WTB tires are are badass. So I used to ride Maxes for a long time, and then I just like I just flat them all the time, even the double downs. Um, and then I moved to WTB, and now I've been riding those for like two and two and a half years and I haven't had a flat tire in like two and a half years. So nice. Yeah. I, uh, I used to ride, um, Nava Gulls like way back when. Mm -hmm. And, um, the main reason is cause like, uh, obviously I'm a big dude. So I always got tires that had a lot of meat on them and I stopped riding the Nava Gulls because they, they just, they spun really slow. So I tried a bunch of different tires along the way and Maxis is what I, I sat on for a while. And I just recently, 
had talked to the guys at um, Kenda again. And while I was chatting to the guy at Interbike, I, I was like, man, I used to love your Nava Gauls, but they just rolled so slow. And apparently they changed them. So they roll a lot faster and they have this new one out. I think it's called a Hellcat. Yeah. And I'm running that one up front and the Nava Gaul on the back. And they're pretty good, man. I, I, I rode, rode some pretty gnarly stuff just yesterday. It was my first run on them. I was impressed. It's hard to say though, because I also just put Kush core on my bike. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's the tires or, or the Kush core. That's like, I was pretty impressed. Yeah. Do you yeah. ride an insert? Uh, I don't, I'm only 145 pounds. So I'm pretty easy on stuff, but I think on the next bike, I might run a Kush core on the back just to see, um, how I like it. So I'll tell oh, you right now, dude, if the guys from Kush Core heard you say that you were only going to run it in one wheel, they'd lose their shit. Dude. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah like, I know it's not just rim protection; it's like tunability for tire pressure. But yeah. I don't know. I just like I just like trying to keep keep the weight down, let let the let the wheels spin up quick and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I totally hear you, man. I um I will say this once, and probably twenty more times on another podcast, but um they they claim that the cush core is a is a suspension platform that's yep. really the way that they 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 talk to about it and um then some of it is that it's given rigidity to the tire so that it's not folding over the turns and stuff like that so on a hardtail if you're adding suspension you're definitely going to feel it right yeah oh this and, core on a hardtail is awesome i rode dude, one the other day it does feel very yeah. nice. i actually flatted the tire uh and uh and rode out on the Kush core. I don't even know how long because it just felt like I was riding on a tire. So, yeah. 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 I, uh, I put it in, in, in my hardtail and hands down first ride, like new immediately, like, wow, this feels way better. I couldn't say the same thing on my full suspension bike, but I feel like that's just going to be harder to feel because you already have a lot of suspension mm -hmm. and, but knowing how different it felt on my hardtail, I know like that is what like sold me knowing that it's doing something on my full suspension bike too. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I think the, the most noticeable difference was definitely on that hardtail. That was, that was pretty cool. So I like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, um, the guy, uh, Russ, our head mechanic who owns Cascade Racing Design suit, I'm going to run his carbon wheels. Um, he's just been like doing tons of testing and like, air volume and tire width or uh, rim widths and all this stuff. And basically they were just like, uh, uh, he, he really recommends the, the Kush core just for um, how it makes his wheels feel. He says that it complements how that they're, he, he like has them um, laid up to have a certain amount of flex and things like that. So yeah. he thinks with the Kush core, they ride like he wants them to ride. So They did a, a recent thing with like, uh, I want to say it was like Richie Rude. And they had him ride, ride a bunch of stuff down in Sedona. And they had this like super suspension testing company that they were working with. I don't know. They had like all these points of like engagement that they were testing and whatever. And they, they showed like mathematically that it was better. So yeah. I'm like, if, if there's some freaking guy with a calculator freaking telling me that it's good, you know, part of you is like, yeah, whatever. But um, whenever I kind of had that in mind, and then, like I said, put it on my hardtail, like there, there was no doubt about it. So 
Let's let, we're getting close to two hours here. Yeah, my battery's almost dead on my camera. I still need to get one of those adapter things to plug in the wall. When I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one of these days after the YouTube truck of money shows up. Oh, right? yeah, dude, the truck, it, it just keeps driving past. Like, right? Stop! Keeps going over to Josh's house. You're like, what the fuck, yeah. man? <laughs> yeah, Josh has a fucking, this like, uh, this fur coat that he wears and he's got a gold right? grill. He's so much different in real life and people don't know that about him, but driving um, around in a Bentley and shit. Yeah, he's like yeah. doing videos about his scooter. He's really yeah. a Bentley. He's the only guy in town that has spinners. And I thought those went out of style. <laughs> he pulls it off. It's fucking cool. I, I must say. Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> so um let, let's 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 wrap this up, man. Let's 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 give your your shop a good in or a good outro and, and your YouTube channel as well. So, what are you doing on the YouTube channel for people that are still hanging out? What what is it that your your focus is over there? Um, if you guys haven't checked out my YouTube channel, go check it out. Uh, the Lost Co. Basically, what I do is I make um, I, I own a bike shop, and so uh, I do all the media and all that stuff for the shop. And what I try to do is I try to do a good mix between quality and quantity. So I'm not just like, I'm not just selling you guys on like a part. I'm not saying, Hey guys, look, it's a thing. You should buy it. Cool. Like go to the website. No, it's more like I, I definitely put a lot of effort into it. I take like several days to direct the videos. Um, I put a lot of effort into making sure I have props and I, I spend 40, 50 hours a week editing videos and all this stuff just to make sure that they do a good job. I think that it's good um long lasting thing for my business and I think I hope that it entertains everybody. So I think that bikes I, I'm in the bike industry because bikes are fun. And I think that uh I you gotta have a good mix of having fun to not only sell things to people that want to have fun, but also just to have um have an enjoyable day-to-day -day work grind. So um I enjoy it. I hope that everybody else enjoys it. Um I obviously want people to buy their bike parts from me because they're gonna get somewhere. So I really hope that you like what I'm doing and definitely choose uh, us as your as your online bike shop. Um, or what we typically are trying to do is become the world's local bike shop. We sell a lot of small parts. We offer super high uh, uh, quality customer service. So me, Russ and Jason, just the three of us have about 50 years of experience um, just between three of us. And so if one of us doesn't know something, the other person will. It's a, it's a really cool thing that we got going on. So. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're unsatisfied with, uh, with the level of service that you're getting anywhere else, please, uh, come our way. We'll entertain you. We'll help you with your bike parts. We'll try to help you with price when we can, things like that, but recommendations, all that stuff. We're here to help. So, and if you're in the, the Bellingham area, let's, let's talk about that, that brick and mortar shop that you got. Yeah. Uh, it's right over by Trader Joe's. So go get some, uh, go get some snacks, some peanut butter filled pretzels, and uh, the four pack of water that's $6 for some reason. Um, <laughs> head over to the bike shop. Uh, we'll have Kona demos. We are gonna start doing custom builds with Kona. Um, so if you guys are looking for like a six inch travel bike, we can build you up a custom Kona process uh, bike and yeah, give you full recommendations and let you guys, me know what we think you, guys, you should be riding. So. Would you guys ship to somebody that's out of state? or Absolutely, yeah. So all of our custom builds are gonna be able to ship. Um, we do free shipping on all orders of over $100. Right now, I have a code, ship free, S-H-I-P-F-R-E-E, -E, one word. You can get anything for free. So even if you just buy a bottle of chain lube or something like that, shipping's free. Um, and then we have actually super sh uh, cheap shipping rates around the world if you use FedEx International Economy. It's only like 15 bucks no matter what you get. So Oh, wow. That's yeah. actually really good. And then you said also you guys are doing uh, suspension tuning as well through the mail, right? 
Yeah, um, I'm still, uh, that's gonna, that's a whole other project. I gotta film a bunch and set up stuff on the website. I'm not naturally like a website person, so I kind of just have to like make it work or pace or outsource it or whatever to somebody else. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but you had but, said uh, earlier. You can, you can send your suspension to us. If you're watching one of our videos and you're like, oh shit, I don't wanna do this myself. Like this is above my pay grade. I don't have any of these tools. I don't wanna invest in them. Um, then you could basically just box up your fork, shock, dropper post. Send it to us. Shit, you can send us your whole bike if you want us to service your suspension linkage too and do all the bearings for you. Uh, send us whatever you got. We'll service it for you and send it back. And then you don't even have to think about it. Somebody just bike flight their bike over to your to your shop and you can just send it back to them. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Right on, man. Hey, dude, I super appreciate you being on the show. Everybody yeah, that's been hanging out with us, man. You guys are awesome. You fucking rock. I'm super stoked to, to be hanging out with you guys. If you guys missed the intro, fucking a dude i'm trying to get my patreon up to 250 so i can start traveling that means i can come to your neck of the woods and we can drink beer together on your dime that's actually a pretty fucking good deal i never thought about that you guys pay for me to get there and you pay for my beer wait a minute i don't think i was supposed to say that a lot no seriously i'm trying to get the patreon up to 250 so that the channel can keep growing so it's definitely been a number that i'm set on i think right now i'm about halfway there so if you're thinking about it go to patreon it only costs a buck a month come on you cheap fuckers seriously a dollar and you can get some uh, discounts with some of the companies that i work with on there maybe even i can work out something with a loss co i don't know i'm just trying to put them on the spot right now yeah do it <laughs> okay. send me an email I, everything's for free no i'm just kidding right <laughs> yeah just put biker in there that code will actually charge you an extra five percent but hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh those of you guys have been asking about the pov where the fuck that's been like i said earlier it's coming back I'm, I'm coming out of the haze. It, it, it's going to be coming back soon. So hang in there. It'll be there for sure. Those of you guys that threw up the super chats, thank you very much. Saw one from Biker Camp from MTB Kevin. Thanks a lot, brother. The Biker Camp, everybody keeps asking me about when the fuck is the Biker Camp? Look, there's a couple things going on here. First of all, we have record snow this year. So I'm having a hard time with the date because I like to have Biker Camp be like right after the snow melts. And um, I'm working with the guys up there in the city of Downeyville to find out exactly when that's going to happen. Because if I schedule it too soon, we're not going to be able to do downhill runs. The other thing that's going on is I'm working with the city as well. And there's some permits that we need to get the spot that we can have more campers than 15. So we could have 100 campers instead. So give me some time, guys. I know you guys are all itching to like put in for your vacation and shit like that. Friggin' it's coming. It will be coming. I promise you, as soon as I know, you guys will be the first ones to know. Um, actually, no, you won't. The people on Patreon will be the first ones to know. Then the rest of you bitches will find out. So if you haven't already, hit the fucking subscribe button. When you hit the subscribe button, I see that number grow. It actually makes me feel good about myself. Stop punching myself. And maybe I won't drink as much beer. I'll be, I'll be lighter. I'll be healthier. It'll all be because of you guys. I will appreciate that subscribe and support the channel and, and when i say support do it any way you can if it's hit the thumbs up button there's 50 of you guys on there right now hit the thumbs up button for those of you guys that are watching the podcast you want to freaking support the channel or listening to watching a podcast listen to the podcast mm -hmm. go ahead and stop by your favorite podcast place write a review only a five-star review other than that if you don't think it's going to be five stars don't write it i don't fucking care about that shit we don't need anything less than that um also, one last thing, 
remember it only takes a bike to be a biker so get the fuck out and be one bitches 